Now, most of the world is avoiding air travel. In October, one Florida woman almost flew free. Gate check, no problem. TSA, green light. Then it came out. She didn't have a ticket. Questions now about airport security. Are we safe? Reports came out this week detailing how a Florida resident, Sylvia Richter, was able to pass through airport security without a government ID or a plane ticket. She grouped herself with a large family passing through security on the way to Atlanta and managed to slip by without presenting an ID or ticket. She did the same at the boarding gate. How'd she get caught? Well, she took somebody's seat who wasn't willing to compromise. Thankfully, she didn't mean any harm. But what if she had? That's the question many are asking. But it reminds me, the Lord knows every hair on our head. In Christ alone, we'll never be told that we don't belong. That is truly comforting. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And here it is Wednesday at a program called Paul's Old New Testament. Well, I mentioned it earlier, two of radio's favorite words, road trip. It's something that you just happen to do. And our music director, who is also the music director of WCRH, which is straddling Maryland and Pennsylvania, she's on a road trip with her husband, Harry, who happens to be the chief engineer. Susanna Scott, we've never had you on the program on a time like this, have we? No. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are driving from the East Coast, not quite to the West Coast, but the Western United States right now. And uh, I just wanted to check in with you. Tell me what's different, because you like to travel on vacations. You like to find deals. But this year's a little different. How are you staying safe and what do you see? Well, I um, my original vacation was canceled because it was back in earlier May. And uh, I saw some really good fares on Southwest. And they promised that the center seats would be closed or like open. And they also uh, just said that the airports, they were all practicing social distancing and they were also cleaning their planes, taking an additional six hours of cleaning time per per plane. Wow. And and then I um I I got a really good car <laughs> rental and uh turns out You find a yes, deal. You always yes. find deals. And we decided to yes. go uh drive one way and that way we would have our car with us and we um we packed a lot of our own food. Uh, we brought along a ton of hand hand wipes and hand sanitizer uh, and mask. Uh, and when we stop at a gas station, we use uh, gloves uh, to pump gas because I, I think that would be a very germy place. And then uh, just throw that away, uh, throw the glove away. And uh, the hotels were very different. Um, yeah, tell tell me about that. Tell me how you're because you're, you're you didn't bring a tent and you don't have a trailer. You you found a real deal on a rental yeah. car. 
Uh, how are you staying safe at hotels? What are well, they doing? Well, when I walked into um, uh, Marriott property, they've closed down, uh, at least that one had closed the pool. There were no areas, uh, social areas, like the breakfast buffet had all been uh, sort of set aside. You couldn't go in there. And they said that um, even though there wasn't very many rooms or many people there, that they really lacked rooms because they do not let housekeeping go in for three full days after a guest leaves. I guess mm. that's to sort of kill the virus if it's in there, and then they go in and clean. Right. Uh, and then last night we were at a, a, um, a Hilton property, uh, Hampton Inn, and they they also, I mean, it was just like a ghost town. And the breakfast buffets are so different. Uh, at the first night, it was just a paper bag with a orange and a granola bar. This morning, a lady sort of served us. She had a couple things that you could choose from, a little menu, and she would just hand us what we wanted. So she feels that the breakfast buffet at hotels will never be back. Uh, that was her mm. thought. Uh, at least not till we have a vaccination, I guess. So. so, you and your husband, Harry, you love Jesus. You're driving. Your, your son who's getting ready to go to medical school is going to fly out and join you. You're going to look at some national parks in Utah. But any, any spiritual thoughts on your drive so far? Well, just that um, this coronavirus, I am confident the Lord is working in and through it. I think it's caused Christians to just look, do I really have an eternal perspective? Uh, all this is mm. going to fade. And I think coronavirus sort of like took so much of it uh, away so quickly. It's like um, we just went past a mall area that was like uh, deserted. And all the mm. the restaurants that still aren't back up and running and it's just and and in St. Louis we saw the big sports arenas, and like the yes. Cardinals and there. I mean everything's just empty. Tourist attractions are shut down, and and all has changed. But nothing changes him, as one of the Haven Quartet songs say. I love that, and to know that I am in. I'm standing on the rock. I am secure in him no matter how mm. much life changes mm. and that uh, haven quartet song the hiding place uh, we're going to be playing that next week because um, that's the series we're going to uh, another milestone anniversary after world war ii this year Susanna scott in the middle of america trying to get to maybe wichita or beyond thank you for you and Harry. I thought we needed something just a little lighter and brighter here at the beginning of our program. Now, remember those two words so important to so many people that may not get to do it this year? Road trip. Well, the Apostle Paul also hit the road after becoming a Christian, but he did it for the rest of his life. And his purpose was not to take a vacation. He traveled because after meeting Jesus, he was sent by the Lord. July 1st, July 4th, coming next week. And I understand this desire to get on the road. 
fewer of us will be traveling far these next few days, but I want to take a moment to mention Haven Today is coming up to the end of our fiscal year. It's a critical time when we need to hear from friends like you who wholeheartedly support our mission and want to see more lives transformed by Christ. Would you pray about what you can send to help us reach June 30th and help us through the lean summer months to follow? And as our thanks for your year-end gift, I'd like to send you the two-part DVD, In the Footsteps of Paul. Call us after the program at 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Mention the DVD, In the Footsteps of Paul. Or visit us online at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Now, let's move a little more into our program. Matt Redman's going to lead us in his song called Mercy. I will kneel in the dust at the foot of the cross Where mercy paid for me Where the wrath I deserve It is gone, it has passed Your blood has Hidden me Mercy Mercy As endless as the sea I'll sing your hallelujah For all eternity We will lift up the cup and the bread we will break, remembering your love. We were fallen from grace, but you took all our shame and nailed it to a cross. Sing your hallelujah 
This is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris, and Paul's Old New Testament is what we're calling this program. And that was Matt Redman with his song called Mercy. What do you do when it doesn't seem like the Lord even cares anymore? That's an important question. It's a question I've asked myself, perhaps you have as well. Walking is so much more difficult than it seems like when we think the Lord is silent. Grumbling, complaining, and distrust spout their ugly heads in the silence, in the doubt. In the wake of the Holocaust in World War II, many Jewish survivors expressed those same emotions, and it was captured in a sort of tragic beauty by the words of Elie Wiesel from his book called Night. Never shall I forget that night, the first night in camp that turned my life into one long night. Never shall I forget the small faces of the children whose bodies I saw transformed into smoke under a silent sky. Never shall I forget those flames that consumed my faith forever, those moments that murdered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to ashes. Never. Reading from his own book, Kelly Wiesel survived the Holocaust, but his faith didn't endure. The unspeakable horror of what he went through is something almost none of us can imagine. Darkness, depression, and anguish can choke a person's faith. Jesus himself said that was possible. But the Lord also doesn't remain silent. He speaks into the darkness, and that's when the light of hope dawns again. Now, the story of Israel. Long decades, centuries of silence, and then the Lord appeared. And the Lord saved, and the Lord provided. Before Jesus came, Israel had endured hundreds of years of silence. Once again, they were oppressed. Once again, they were looking for the coming of the Lord, the Messiah. This is the world the Apostle Paul grew up in. And in this series, Paul's Old New Testament, we see that the story of Israel and the Old Testament scriptures tell that story and form the backbone of Paul's own writings later in what became part of our New Testament. I want us to look at a story from the book of Exodus, but before that, a little more from Paul. He was a Pharisee. He was a strict law keeper, trained as a rabbi, and more zealous to glorify God than most of his peers, maybe all his peers. He knew his Old Testament, So he was familiar with the story of Israel, that even when it seemed like no one was listening, the Lord was, and the Lord cared. Paul was so passionate about belonging to the Lord, finding himself in Christ, as he said so many times through his letters. And I can't help but think his own upbringing had a hand in this special passion to belong. Paul came to Jerusalem, I believe, about the age of 20. He was a Jew looking for his roots. When he came to Jerusalem and became a Pharisee, the law became the focal point of his life. Perhaps becoming a Pharisee answered some need in Paul to belong, and he threw himself into a zealous defense of the Jewish law. That was David Suchet and Jerome O'Connor discussing the Apostle Paul and why the law became his obsession prior to meeting Jesus. Paul had spent his life trying to obey the law. 
But as he reflected on this later, he realized it was all for nothing. We can't establish our own righteousness before the Lord. Our good works cannot earn us heaven. Only the Lord coming to save us from our own sin can save us at the end of the day. In the darkness of our own longing, only the Lord can break in and provide what we truly need. That's what Israel learned. That's what we need to learn too. Israel was suffering under Pharaoh, and the Lord rescued him. No one else could redeem them. The enemy was too strong. The situation was too terrible. But the Lord rescued them by his strong hand. How many of us have had that experience? Your eyes were open. You became aware of just how helpless you were in this world, how in need of the Lord that you are, and and then he rescued you. We could rejoice along with the psalmist. I cried out to the Lord, and he heard my cry. He rescued me. That was Israel's story, but it's also our story. And just like we do, Israel became ungrateful. Almost immediately, what did they do? They grumbled. The road was hard. Life wasn't easier. They were hungry and thirsty. They'd forgotten how truly awful it was in Egypt. And that leads me to the Old Testament book of Exodus and a story of Israel's faithlessness. I want us to listen to the first verses out of Exodus 17, read for us once again by David Suchet. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Thanks to BibleGateway.com and read for us by British actor David Suchet, the Lord had just provided his people with manna, and not long before that he had rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt. Yet once again they were grumbling, wondering why the Lord would have led them there, questioning whether he cared. I can kind of look at my own life and see myself there in Israel. As the Apostle Paul would say later to Timothy, the young disciple, even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. We can't forget this. Time and again, I begin to grumble and have my doubts and ask my questions. And every time the Lord meets me there in my weakness, Israel was grumbling. They were thirsty and the Lord met them and remained faithful. And his faithfulness to Israel that day was a clear broadcast of the gospel to come. Did you catch what the Lord said to Moses? Take a staff in your hand, 
the same staff that you used to bring my wrath against the Egyptians, the staff of judgment. Take that staff and strike the rock. But here's the part we miss. Where was the Lord when Moses hit that rock? If we look at the original language more closely, it says that the Lord was standing on the rock. Let's not miss that. The staff of judgment came down on the rock, the same place where the Lord was standing, and from it flowed the water that refreshed Israel and nurtured their faith. That's the gospel. That's good news. All of Israel ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Now, that's Paul's words coming out of 1 Corinthians 10. We know the Corinthians struggled to remain faithful. They were a wayward church, dividing up into factions, suing one another in the civil courts, committing all kinds of sins. They needed to hear this. The rock that Moses struck with the staff of judgment was Christ. It was Christ who went to the cross for us, who took the judgment and condemnation of sin upon himself. He was struck with the staff of wrath, and from his death our salvation flowed freely. As the hymn goes, let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath, and make me pure. That's our salvation. We're saved from wrath, because wrath fell upon Jesus. We are made pure, because his blood washed away our sins. This is the power of an old New Testament. We see the Lord's faithfulness over and over again, and we see how that faithfulness runs right up to our own lives today. He will never fail us. The Lord is always faithful. Whether we are thirsty or whether we just need to cry out for our daily bread or we're weary from losing a battle with sin, the Lord cares and sees and and saves us. Christ was the rock, and he's still our rock. Today, come to him. Would you drink deeply of the grace that only he can offer? Receive it by faith. Walk again in the newness of life that only he can provide. The Lord is faithful. Even when we are faithless, he will never let us go. How am I to stand before you? With merit not my own Blood I did not bleed Hallelujah to saving grace Hallelujah to Thee Hallelujah for death has lost its grip To quench the wrath of God, His throne would He leave, becoming sin and death, my curse to receive. Hallelujah to saving grace. Lost its grip 
Haven today and a program called Paul's Old New Testament. That was hallelujah to saving grace. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there with Paul when he traveled the known world preaching the gospel? To maybe have been there when he first came into a city and to hear this news of how he met Jesus on a road to Damascus. Well, thanks to the special two-part DVD called In the Footsteps of Paul, you can be there in a sort of way. It's hosted by the British actor we heard from earlier, David Suchet, an incredibly talented actor, but more important, a follower of Jesus as well. The documentary was produced for the BBC, and it'll give you a new sense of realism as you read your Bible. Why don't you call us right now for your copy of In the Footsteps of Paul? Make your year-end gift to help us keep sharing Jesus with others. Pray about how generous you can be. June 30th is the end of our fiscal year. And here's the number you can call right now. 800 654 2836 800 654 or go make your gift online at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God. This is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Not counting my cup of coffee, there are two things I love in the morning. One is spending a solid chunk of time in God's Word, and the other is going on a morning run. But as the years have gone by, the kids have gotten older, the schedule's gotten tighter, I've come to accept that most mornings, I only have time for one of those. So the question is, which one gets the priority? 1 Timothy tells us physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. And I can say I believe that, but in the end, it's my actions that reveal what I truly believe. So what about you? What do your choices and activities reveal about what you truly believe? Anchor Devotional can help you spend more time in God's Word. Visit GetAnchor.com.